Welcome to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. Thank you for tuning in. We pray that the following message will help you connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and others. And if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Uh, Last Sunday, we started a three-part series on the Holy Spirit. It's called Pneuma, after the Greek word for spirit. It's also the Greek word for wind and breath. Um, So March being the windiest month of the year, and wind being pneuma, and spirit being pneuma, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Uh, Last week, we said four things about the Holy Spirit. First, and uh, very important, we said the Holy Spirit is God, not just a God, but the Holy Spirit is God. We serve one God who reveals himself to us through three persons, the person of God the Father, the person of God, the Son, Jesus, and the person of God, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. Second, we said the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is not referred to as an it, not some abstract, impersonal force. The Holy Spirit is a person. He can grieve. He can rejoice. He can give gifts. He can uh, enable us to do a lot of things. So he is a person. He's a God. He's a person. He has always been and is still active in our world. From the very creation of the universe, the Holy Spirit was active. From the anointing of uh, heroes in the Old Testament like uh, Abraham and Samson and Gideon and the like, uh, he was active in their lives. He was active in uh, moving the prophets to speak God's word, and he is active today. And the final thing we said about the Holy Spirit last week is that the Holy Spirit desires to be active in your life. He's not just active. He, he doesn't desire just to be active in people that would be Hall of Fame Christians, so to speak. He wants to be active in every Christian's life. That would include your life, no matter how old, how young you are, how quiet, how loud you are, whether it seems like you have an important position in the church or not, the Holy Spirit wants to be active in your life. So, very important person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. Today, I want us to look at uh, the subject of, of the most important thing about the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, beginning with verse 15, Jesus' words again, if you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. John chapter 14. Now skip over to the next book in the New Testament, the book of Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Again, Jesus' words about 40 days after uh, he has been crucified and resurrected. It's, uh, these are his words right before he ascends back to the Father. He's saying these words to his disciples. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then finally, the next chapter over, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost came, Pentecost is a Greek word that means 50 days. The Pentecost was a Jewish festival that that, uh, 
came every year 50 days after the Passover. So when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. They, the 120 of the disciples. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Let's pray. God, our Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, your Son, and by the power of your Holy Spirit. And we are asking you, Lord, to help us in this hour. Lord, as you have helped us to worship under the leadership of our praise band, and as you have helped us to give, and as you have helped us, Lord, uh, to worship together, Lord, I pray that you also would send your Holy Spirit to anoint both the speaker and the hearer so that your words can be heard, can be received, will be digested, and will be applied. Lord, my prayer is that this message will not be forgotten come Wednesday, but that we will remember it. That's my prayer for every preacher who preaches this morning, wherever he or she may preach. I pray, Lord, that your word will go out and it will stick. So, Lord, may your Holy Spirit work in this hour here as well. In Jesus' name, amen. My dad turned 80 December 31st. He's a uh, uh, bivocational, was a bivocational pastor. He's retired. Uh, he graduated from South County High School. He was foot on the football team. He was a center, and he was a, uh, I'm told, a ferocious center. He had, if you're going to play football, uh, you have to have a killer instinct in order to succeed. I never had that. I had the size, uh, but I didn't have the quickness, and I didn't have a killer instinct. My dad had all of that. He had size, he had quickness, and he had a killer instinct. Uh, and so he played center for, for the Forsyth County Bulldogs, and he was at center one time. I don't remember what team they were playing. And the defensive lineman who was opposite him looked up at him right before the ball was hiked, and he says, I'm going to break your nose right now. And he did. Broke my dad's nose. He just walloped, walloped his uh, uh, elbow right up against my dad's nose, broke his nose. So the next time they, they came down and set the ball, my dad looked up and he says, I'm going to break yours back. And he did. He broke his back. It was that broken nose that uh, kept my dad out of the Navy. After he graduated high school, he was actually offered a, uh, a full football scholarship to Furman University. He should have taken it. He didn't. Instead, he enlisted in the Navy. Uh, but uh, after enlisting, when he, when he showed up for his physical, they turned him down because he had a broken nose. And so he went to work at Parsons Grocery, which was in downtown Cumming. Parsons was a family-owned grocery store. They also sold uh, kids' shoes and some clothes and so forth. And they had a, a store in Cumming, and they had a store in Duluth, or as, as uh, we country boys used to pronounce it, Duluth. 
They had one in Cumming, one in Duluth. And my dad went to work at the one at Cumming, and before long, they transferred him to the store in Duluth, Georgia. And one day while he was there uh, getting off from work, he came out and there was a, a girl, uh, uh, turned out to be a girl who was 12th grader, a senior, who was walking down the street, and, and she was pretty. He thought she was pretty, and so he approached her and, and asked her on a date, and they started courting. That would be my mom. She was a... Uh, graduate of, of Duluth Wildcat, Duluth High School back in 1950-something. I can't remember which. She's 78 now. My dad is 80. So my dad worked at Parsons. They got married, and then he got offered a job at General Motors in Doraville. And for over 30 years, he worked on the assembly line at uh, the General Motors assembly plant in Doraville, mainly building the Cutlass Supreme. If you remember those Cutlass Supremes, they stopped making those. And, and now uh, I noticed that that big plant there in Doraville is a, uh, it's, it's a building supply place or something out there now. Uh, but he used to work for General Motors. And I was the oldest of four siblings. My brother is two years younger than me. My sister was nine years younger than me. And then my youngest brother is, uh, I think, 16 years younger than I. Uh, But my dad and mom always wanted us to have what they never had. And so in order to do that, my dad worked several jobs. He worked at General Motors, I told you that. He also was a poultry farmer. We had a a chicken house and always had somewhere on average between 17,000 and 20,000 chickens at any given time. We'd keep them for about seven and a half weeks and then sell them and you all would find them at the grocery store and and fry them up or whatever whatever you did with them. Uh, But we had poultry. He had a fruit orchard that had uh, Georgia Bell peaches and pears and apples. He had a vegetable garden. Um, he, uh, had a, 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 he bought a tractor with a sweeper on it. And, and, and for a time he did a side job of cleaning out chicken houses. He sold trophies for my uncle who was a tr- uh, trophy business owner and he sold world book encyclopedias. My dad did a whole bunch of different things and all of it was for the sake of providing uh, us with, uh, what he didn't have when he was growing up. He did a lot of things. And when I think about what all he did, uh, it causes me to think about the Holy Spirit. If you were to sit down and, and draw up a list of all the things the Holy Spirit has ever done and all the things the Holy Spirit does now, including just making a list of all the things the Holy Spirit does for you according to the Scriptures, it is a, a huge list that the Holy Spirit does. He fills a lot of duties because the Holy Spirit, who is God, loves you and me, and he wants us to have the best life we can. And so he does a lot of wonderful things uh, for us. Um, But this sermon is about the most important thing about the Holy Spirit, I want you to get that. This sermon is about the most important thing about the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to wait till the end of the sermon to tell you what that is. I know that's just a blessing to you. Um, But I'm going to make you wait till the very end. And in between now and the end, I want to tell you some of the things, not all the things, but just some of the things that are on that list of responsibilities that the Holy Spirit fills for us. I want you to know him better. I want you to know the Holy Spirit better because the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is the presence of Jesus in your life. And so I want you and me to know him better. 
So what are some of the things the Holy Spirit does for us? Well, the first thing the Bible teaches us is that the Holy Spirit is our helper. Our helper. In John chapter 14, verse 26 Jesus is talking, and he's, he's preparing, the, preparing the disciples for his leaving. They don't quite understand it. What they do understand, they don't like. And so he's trying to prepare them. It's that chapter that starts out, do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and so forth and so on. Well, about 26 verses later, he says this, but the advocate who is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. The advocate, advocate. In Greek, the word is parakletos, paraklete. Para means alongside of. We use that term all the time. If you were in a, 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 a vehicle accident, an automobile accident, and you get hurt or someone in the accident gets hurt, what do we do? We call an ambulance, and we also, along with that ambulance, there is a paramedic, a medic, a medic who paras, a medic who comes along beside you to help you, paramedic. We have paraprofessionals at, uh, at school who come alongside the professional, the teacher, in order to help the students, in order to help the teacher help the students. We have parachutes for those of us who are ridiculously dumb enough to jump out of an airplane way up in the sky. And thankfully, you take a parachute, which is a huge chute that paras with you, that comes along with you in order to slow the intensity of the descent para. Well, in John 14, 26, it's the advocate, the parakletos. Kletos is a helper, a helper, a helper who comes along beside us to help us. That's who the Holy Spirit is. He helps us. He teaches us. Sometimes he will remind us of things we already knew. Sometimes we'll be about to do something we shouldn't do, and he will try to stop us. He will not usually override our free will, but he will try to. If there's something we need to do that we haven't done, he'll try to motivate us to do it as well as empower us to do it. In all of those ways, he helps us. He comes along beside us. The Holy Spirit is our helper. Second, the Holy Spirit indwells us and seals us. He indwells every Christian. The moment we receive Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, and He saves us, and He indwells us, and He seals us until the day of redemption, until the very end of time. In John uh, chapter 14, verse 17, Jesus again said that the Spirit of truth, He says, the world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him for he lives with you and will be in you. You say, well, when does the Holy Spirit come to live in my life? I'm a Christian. When does the Holy Spirit come to live in my life? The moment you invite Jesus into your life, he comes into your heart to live in you. Now, you'll run across some folks and they'll say, well, uh, when you accept Jesus, that's when you get Jesus. But at a later time, as you mature... <clears throat> You'll receive the Holy Spirit, 
But that's at a later time. Listen, that is, that's, not, that's not scriptural at all. What is scriptural is the moment you receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into your life simultaneously and he is the presence of Jesus in you and he never leaves you. And so Jesus, our Holy Spirit, is our helper and he indwells us. And number three, he secures our salvation. He secures our salvation. First Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, he says, do you, Paul says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is what? In you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own. You're bought with a price, therefore glorify God. The Holy Spirit is in you, Paul says, and he secures our salvation in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. Paul says, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And watch this. When you believed, which is when you received Christ, you were marked in him, in Jesus, with a seal. What do you mean seal? I mean an eternal super glue. Hello? When you received Christ, you were marked with an eternal superglue, a seal. And who is that seal? He goes on, the promised Holy Spirit. That's Ephesians 1.13. In the same letter, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, Paul says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You were sealed. There that word is again, that superglue word, seal. You were superglued with the Holy Spirit until when? Until the day of redemption. When is the day of redemption? That's the day Jesus comes back. So when the Holy Spirit comes in your life, when you receive Christ as your Savior, He comes into your life and He superglues you into that relationship with Christ. Nobody can take it away from you. You can't sin enough to lose it. Some people say you can. Absolutely not. You didn't do anything to get it, and you can't do anything to lose it. All of it is by grace, the grace of God. It is God's doing. And so the Holy Spirit secures our salvation. But also the Holy Spirit helps us pray. We're talking about the things the Holy Spirit helps us do or does for us. He helps us to pray in Jude little book, next to the last book in the New Testament, it's only 21 verses long, one chapter. In verses 20 and 21, Jude says this, he says, but you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and, watch this, praying in the Holy Spirit, by doing that, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you eternal life, praying in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us as we pray. But what about those times when we literally cannot pray? Have you ever been in that position where life has given you such a bad deal, people have mistreated you so bad, or circumstances have, have turned your life upside down, and you're, you're, you're thinking, how in the world? I, I, don't, I don't even know what to pray, don't know how to pray. What about then? Well, we find out then that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us when we cannot pray. In Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27, this is a chapter that's about the role of the Holy Spirit in a Christian's life. Paul says this, in the same way, the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, 
But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. King James says, with utterances that cannot, with groanings that cannot be uttered. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance to the will of God. So what happens when you're so upset, when life has so taken the, the feet out from under you that you cannot pray, you, you're just so hurt and so in pain that you can't think of the words that you need to express to God. What happens then? Well, the Bible says that the moment we can't, the Holy Spirit kicks in and he not only can, but he does. He, he literally sits at the feet of God the Father and he pleads to God for you. He intercedes with God. Those are some very important things the Holy Spirit does for us. He helps us. He teaches us. He indwells us. He seals us. He helps us pray. He prays for us when we can't. Those are just a few of the things the Holy Spirit does for us that are so very important. But those are not the most important things about the Holy Spirit. You know what the most important thing about the Holy Spirit is? Are you ready for this? Did I mention my dad at the first part of this message? Did you hear that? I told you that he was an assembly line worker at General Motors. I told you that he sold trophies on the side. I told you that he sold World Book encyclopedias. Didn't I say that? I told you that he was a poultry farmer, a fruit orchard farmer, a vegetable farmer. I told you that he was a chicken house cleaner outer. Did I say that? He did all those things, plus he was a pastor. He was a bivocational pastor, which meant that he worked full-time for part-time pay. I don't, know, I don't know when he had time to do anything else after doing all those things that he was doing. He was doing all of them for his kids. But working at General Motors was not the most important thing I remember about my dad. Selling trophies? No. World Book Encyclopedias? No. Chicken farmer, oh, Lord, I hated chickens. I hated chickens so bad because I didn't realize, right now, I love chickens. Uh, I know that sounds crazy. Uh, I've told you before, I go, I'll be driving down the road, and when we do see a chicken farm these days, or if I see a cow pasture where someone has spread chicken manure in it to make the grass grow, I smell it. People are saying, gosh, what is that? And I said, oh, that's sweet home. Smells like home to me. But being a chicken farmer and a chicken house cleaner outer, those weren't the most important things about my dad. What was the most important thing about my dad was, in spite of being in all those things, doing all that stuff, my dad was always there. He was at every ball game. He was at every Cub Scout troop meeting. When I was in my, the senior play on 1978 for South County High School, He and mom were out there. He was always there. You know what the most important thing about the Holy Spirit is? He's always there. But more than that, the Holy Spirit brings to you 24-7 the presence of Jesus. The Holy Spirit brings to you the presence of Jesus. There will never be a thought you have 
without Jesus. There will never be a word you speak without Jesus. There will never be a place you go without Jesus. There will never be a heartache you feel without Jesus being there. The Holy Spirit brings the presence of Jesus to you, to you, not just to your doorstep, into your heartbeat. And friends, that's the most important thing about the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, said it before, say it again. It's amazing how much you care for us. When we rejoice, you're right there partying with us. When we hurt, you're right there holding us up. When we're praying through your Holy Spirit, you empower our prayers. And when we can't pray, you pray for us. Oh, Lord, how wonderful is your Spirit. So, Lord, we pray for a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit upon this place and upon these people. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.